and the love for their children was in the architecture. That's absent today, unless it's uh, inspired in the people who are called to participate in the process of creation. The world has never been changing more rapidly, dislocating the ways we work, learn, and live. On the Learning Future podcast, we discuss the knowledge, skills, and dispositions we all need for our learning future, exploring insights with world-class educators, researchers, policymakers, and leaders from across industries and across the world. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Luca Parry, founder of The Learning Future. Today, we're speaking with Barry Svigals, and he's a phenomenal artist, architect, educator. He's currently on fellowship at the D School at Stanford University, but has had a phenomenal, I would say, career as a polymath, you know, across sculpture, architecture, music, um, as an amazing thought leader, also just really focused on how communities and organizations can become more creative and collaborative. Um, Barry, there's so much um, to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Luca. So, you know, your bio is just amazing. You've done some incredible things in your life so far. But I want to start with this question. Beyond kind of what you do and the skills you have, who are you really? Um, give us a sense of what makes Barry Barry. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think we would start there. I was hoping we'd start someplace else uh, of, of real interest. But I... <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, uh, I would start with a question like that with, as and I'm, I'm sure you would too, with your forebears. Um, my grandparents on my father's side were immigrants from U- the Ukraine. And they came to this country with literally nothing and, and uh, began in Brooklyn. And my, my grandfather uh, had four children, uh, one of them adopted. Um, from uh, a result of the pogroms that were happening in the Ukraine. Wow. And um, he was a great um, advocate of social change. Um, And when he came here, um, he began speaking on street corners when that was something that that, uh, people did, um, arguing for uh, child labor laws to eliminate these poor children who were in, in factories. And he was, uh, mm. um, he was labeled an anarchist by the people uh, who, for whom he worked, but uh, mm. he was an active socialist. But he was a, a person who believed in serving others. Mm. And when I was 13 years old, he called me to his side And he said, I want to tell you something. And he said, the reason why you're on this earth is to serve others. Wow. The reason why you're on this earth is to serve others. And my father lived that too. Um, And in his own way. And his uh, extraordinary um, quality was to respect everyone he met no matter who they were, he met them all equally. And I observed this in him. This is not something that he needed to tell me, though he, mm. he did in various ways. Um, I saw him meet the, the garage attendant in the same way he met Keith Richards. 
Sure. Exactly the same way. Um, and the king of Sweden. I didn't observe that. <laughs> I know that he met the king of Sweden. I'm sure he treated him with the same respect as he, he treated the man who pumped his gas. Yeah. Uh, and I, I could see that. And his general respect for others, or his deep respect for others, um, was something that um, impressed me. And I, mm. I, I was in that impressed also by the fact that how both my father and my grandfather and, and, my, and my mother, um, it was how they brought themselves to life that mattered. It was how they were in life that mattered. What they did, even though both of them accomplished a great deal, I wouldn't talk about that. Uh, occasionally I do. I brag, brag about them because they did accomplish things. But the things that, that I remember most deeply is how they were with others and how uh, extraordinarily transformative that was, how they made people feel and how those people were different after meeting them and how that had enormous, I felt enormous power in the world. It had an emanation. Um, I, I, I remember a woman actually, uh, who, who was involved in a spiritual movement um, that uh, said, you need to be wary and you need to care for your emanations. And and I heard that. When I heard it, I didn't quite understand it until I began to relate it to how my parents were uh, and how my grandfather and grandmother were. Um, that their emanations, the way they came to the world, made a difference, was everything, in fact. Um, so, and the conversations that the two of, the two of us have had um, talking about meaning and, and what we, mm. quote, do in life. Um, if I was to sum it up, I, I would say that um, it's, it's not what we do. It's how we are. Yeah. How we are matters um, in the world. That's a beautiful. Oh, that's, right, that's a beautiful <laughs> reflection. And I, I mean, Having uh, spent some time with you at the D school over the last, you know, number of months, uh, it's certainly something that I've experienced, and, I've, and something that you've you've obviously taken from your parents is the the notion of presence of how we make other people feel uh, is is kind of that deeply human aspect, I think, to character. Um, I mean, my next question is, what's the big idea for the future that most excites you? I mean, and I think it's all entwined, actually, with, with what you've been speaking about. Um, because, of course, you're, a, you know, I'll, I'll let people know you're a very accomplished architect um, and have done some incredible work, actually, in, in trying to enable schools to be both safe uh, um, as well as, you know, very comforting and optimal environments for learning and connection to take place. So tell us, um, tell us about the coming, you know, your, your amazing journey as the polymath that you are. Um, what is the kind of big idea that, that you're exploring or you're most excited about right now, knowing that we have the, a backdrop to this conversation right now, mm. which is, of course, is coronavirus and COVID-19? Mm. Well, the extrapolation of this notion of um, how one is matters. 
that how we are matters. Uh, the extrapolation of that is how we are matters. Um, and that, our, take, take for example, architecture, that architecture is a result. It's not the thing. We, th we think it's the thing. <laughs> we think what we do is the thing, but it's not the thing, right? And um, it's very true of the building, though that's not the way it's usually conceived. Everyone looks at it. Um, but it's a result of a number of very important dimensions, and the most important of which is how it serves the need um, that exists. And that sounds obvious, except we so often don't spend enough time with that question to know really what that need is. And yeah. particularly with those who are going to be the users, as we put it, I, I, the clients, uh, the uh, inhabitants of the architecture. And the essential um, dynamic of meaningful architecture is the inclusion of a very rigorous exploration into what the needs are with those who are going to be most affected by it. And that is what creates the architecture. I believe that fully. And I think the reason why so much of the architecture that we inhabit today feels that it's about another idea mm -hmm. um, and may be beautiful in certain respects, but there's a dislocation between um, the, the ways in which human beings are served by the architecture um, and, and, and the architecture that's, that's created. There's a dislocation between those two things. And I think it's because we have so many ideas about what's needed and rush in much too quickly before we have had a process, which I believe is the essential um, quality <laughs> yes. a, or, or, or uh, the, the essential ingredient in making architecture of, of any meeting. And the layers of that, I go way beyond the architecture, way, way beyond the architecture. And I could tell you so many stories of how that's played out, um, where the involvement of people who very often have not been involved. Um, you know, several hundred years ago, schoolhouses were made with a hundred hands and, and those people knew exactly what the architecture was for and knew how they were yeah, doing it. And, so. and the love for their children was in the architecture, in the making of it. So that's absent today, largely absent today, unless it's evoked, unless it's uh, inspired in the people who are called to participate in a process of creation um, and those who are pulled into the process of the making of that creation, creating mm -hmm. it too in another, in another way. Um, uh, so there's a, there's a lot in there. There is, the but that's, I expected nothing less though. Well, let's, let's tie these together. So the idea of, you know, how we feel as being crucial to how we think and how we perform, I think it's very well established now by my psychology, um, uh, but also, you know, how we make others feel and the role of leadership, but how the kind of third teacher or the space itself mm -hmm. makes us feel and our connection to it or otherwise. Um, so if, you know, and you brought up this, you evoked this kind of idea of this schoolhouse as being this kind of collective 
endeavor once upon a time. Um, what do you, you know, from your experience and, you know, it could be Sandy Hook or all the other amazing projects you've been involved in. Like, what do you think is the like emergent future for design of learning environments now, knowing that, you know, how we feel, particularly when we're in the creative space, um, is, is going to have an enormous impact on that. So mm -hmm. what would be your reflections, you know, from these different verticals of design and art, architecture, learning that, that you work across? So what does a school of the future kind of look like, feel like? What's, it, what's actually involved in it? And, and, in, and also what's the process to get us there, potentially? Um, well, that's where I would start because we don't know what it will look like because we don't know what the emergent needs may be as time goes on. Um, so given that, um, the, the uh, quality of the process is revealed in the beauty of the architecture. And that quality begins with inclusion and equity. Uh, and my hope, if you, you raised a, a question, encompassing question earlier about what this, what, what the future of education might be. And my, my hope would be is that in this process, we have an opportunity to begin to experience our commonalities. And the process that we go through in these schools that um, we've created begins with a remembering of that because we largely have forgotten. Um, we largely have forgotten why we're here um, in, a, in a deeply organic and spiritual way. We've forgotten why we're here and to remember that. So to remember the community, to remember our communal selves, um, it begins with us individually as, as you've talked about. Um, and there needs to be almost immediately an inclusion of a self that includes mm -hmm. all other selves. Those two things are um, actually inextricably connected in our humanity. So as we are reminded of what we love about the world in which we live and in reminding ourselves of what we love, we bring something to our children in that, in the creation of these spaces. The way in which we um, try to solve the many, many problems of making architecture, and you, you talked about place and, 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 and the creation of architecture that, that inspires us and serves us, um, that does take an expertise, there's no question about it. Um, and it, it needs to be uh, infused with the wish for what we um, have for our, the wish that we have for our children. And that comes from a reconnection with the love of our communities, the love of what's in our homes, all the lessons are all there. Um, they need to be translated, obviously, they need to be translated creatively. But including people in the creative process has, uh, in, in our experience, had the most remarkable results. Um, people have brought, even we have this expertise, of course, that we bring to it, which is both an opportunity and a, a deep problem <laughs> that it excludes people who might otherwise contribute uh, in meaningful ways. Um, 
So this process needs to be inclusive and it needs, needs to be um, appropriately guided. Um, but it has to bring to life those desires that we have for um, the world in, in which we live that we have been disconnected from and first have to be connected to and then bring into the work that uh, in the decision making that we're, we're doing. And I hope you edit this part because I've rambled on quite a bit about this. No, 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 no. I mean, it's... <laughs> not far enough, hopefully, to make it coherent. No, but Barry, you're right. I mean, the, you're right. That it's, it's so much about the process that gets us there. You know, and actually, I saying, what does a school of the future look like? It kind of is the wrong question, is my reflection. You know, it's mm-hmm. what's, what is the, the deeply intentional process that enables us to create something that is inclusive and enables all of us to, I mean, I would say the word flourish, but, you know, um, for, for all of us to kind of feel connected and held by that space, by that environment, I think, just as we, you know, in, in the best kind of environments, be they familial or um, any other, you know, that's how we feel. We walk in, we kind of feel like, ah, I'm home, you know, and we're all just walking each other home, you know. So um, if you can create a space where, you know, it's very, you know, if there's an alignment to the intention, but it's been co-constructed. I think that process there is the really important piece. That, I think that, that, well, that's absolutely right. And architecture is a service. We forget that it's, 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 uh, it is a service. And it's serving a need. And as I said before, we don't know very often what that need is. And the people who can be included in this process are the ones who can best articulate what that need is. Now, of course, there needs to be a translation into into what makes built form, um, but there needs to be a real uh, understanding, deeply um, felt, of what nerve what what uh, need is being served, what need is being served, and um, in. Uh, just give an example of it. And, and, uh, when we we first began talking with uh, the the selection committee um, for Sandy Hook, um, we began by saying we don't know what's needed. We need to find out what's needed. Um, that was a rather risky proposition because they wanted a solution, and that's how to resist that. Um, and and the, the next architectural team came in with a model, by the way. Um, and and that so often is what it what these building committees want to have um, in the absence of a process and in absence of a real reflection as to the need um, of people. And and the and this when we go back to this need, it, it may not be any more than the need to be heard. That, uh, what's a really important thing to say is that that in and of itself has a dynamic in the community. The building sits within the community. It's not a separate thing. And yes, it serves various things and people would be happy with it in various different ways. But the process itself even is animating a community. It's animating, of course, the people involved with it, but those people become uh, ambassadors to a certain degree of that spirit of creation and that spirit of serving a need. And that in and of itself lives. I would maintain that it's living still in the communities that 
where this these are the pieces of architecture have been created that it lives still and they have a relationship to the architecture that is going to be dramatically different than those who have been excluded from processes in, in buildings that have been plopped into communities uh, i don't mean to say that but put you know yeah absolutely well absolutely of course and saying it, and uh, so my takeaway from that is of course the idea for almost humility um and and saying we don't know until we come together and ask the right questions you know it's the need finding exercises i think particularly with the, the pace of the world generally, not, not only in kind of project design and architecture, but in everything, education overall, the idea, you know, everyone has kind of this, what's the, what's the solution, what's the silver bullet? Sometimes the solution is, well, I mean, I think always the solution is asking what's the actual need mm. and do we understand that need and how do we ensure that there is, you know, inclusion and equity based, baked into what we end up creating at the end of the, end of the process. Um, I, th I, think that's, I think that's true, Luca. Um, and I, I want to go back to this uh, not knowing. Sure. Because it has uh, a number of dimensions to it. There is, of course, the fact that we could not possibly know what a community needs without engaging with it. We, I mean, it's, it's, okay, it yeah, would absolutely. be yeah. impossible. Yeah. So there is a not knowing on a factual level. Um, there's another aspect of not knowing, and perhaps it's um, hyphenated not knowing, as opposed to not knowing, <laughs> really not knowing. Um, there is a stance of not knowing that allows for another influence. Mm. And I would say an influence from a higher level, higher than the more mundane, and I don't necessarily mean for, to diminish that realm. But on another level, it's, it's perhaps inspiration. Um, and I, I think that's an important stance in any creative endeavor. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and, and, and the phrase that he used was, leave a chair for Elijah. And leaving a chair for Elijah is leaving a space for God <laughs> to come. Sure. In. Um, in any creative process, we need to leave a chair for Elijah for whatever higher influence we wish to call upon. If we want to remain on our own level with our own idea of life, fine. That's where it will remain. But if we wish it to be transcendent and transformative, we need to be open to what is truly new um, in order to animate, truly animate, um, the things that we bring in, into the world, because then they will be brought to life. They will be brought to life larger than we can know it. Yeah. Larger than we could ever know it. Yeah. Um, so it's those two pieces of not knowing that I think are important to, to hold on to. I could talk to you forever, Barry, um, <laughs> particularly because I think you just, you have such an incredible perspective and vantage point having kind of walked different paths across, um, across your life. What, what would be, you know, for educators, for leaders, um, for designers, you know, what, what's your take-home message, you think? How do you combine all this in terms of, you know, how we interact with community? Obviously, you're doing specific work on 
at the D school on, you know, safe by design from fear to joy and learning environments. How, how do you do that with school safety, which, you know, is a very U.S. problem, sadly, um, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, mass shootings and the like. What's the kind of take-home message from the way that, the way that you approach opportunity uh, as the, um, uh, the accusations of you being an optimist would uh, <laughs> would entail well we've been talking about it all, all throughout this conversation um it's not what you do it's how you participate and so the whole notion of participation is saying that we have a different orientation or at least a um uh, a more inclusive orientation that is not only accepting of others and and uh, of issues of equity and inclusion, um, the necessity of that, but the inclusion of this not knowing, uh, inclusion of another realm that, that will inspire our work to be meaningful, not for ourselves, but for the lives we wish to live and the world we wish to see. That's a beautiful reflection, Barry. Thank you so much for for spending some time talking uh, with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Luca, for reminding me of what's important. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Learning Future podcast. To find out more about our work, drop into thelearningfuture.com and follow us at Learning Future on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Here's to building a world of thriving learners together.